Well, good morning and welcome to Faith Church. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors. It's a great joy to have you with us today. Uh, whether you are in the room or watching online from wherever you're from, we're really glad that you're here. We are all Faith Church together. Um, hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 here in just a minute. So if you want to turn there, you can. Or if you have your phone and you want to scan the QR code on the screen, you can do that. It'll take you to a spot on our central hub where you can take notes, follow along with the scriptures, email them to yourself so that you can review them later this week, go back over them just as a resource for you. We'll be in Matthew 21 here in just a minute. I want to take a, a minute and just say thank you for uh, being you. Thank you for what you do. This uh, last end of the year, we got to all celebrate Christmas together on Christmas day, Christmas morning on a Sunday. It was so much fun to worship and celebrate you. We had over 500 people across both of our services here uh, on that day, which we haven't seen since well before COVID. And uh, so that was a really great thing. But can I tell you, I I'm not so excited just because of the number. That's, that's not why, man, my heart was full of joy. My heart was full of joy because we are a family and a people who demonstrated absolute loyal love for Jesus and wanting to celebrate and honor him and put him center place in all of our Christmas celebrations. And you rallied, you invited people, you showed up, you sang. Some of you moved to the early service because uh, I asked you to and uh, you didn't need to and you ended up sitting on people's laps. And so I just, you were there, we rallied together and we got to celebrate in a sense of unity and it was just so refreshing to see uh, see how God was moving among us that day in that way. So just say thank you. Uh, also coming up, we got water baptism getting ready to happen later this month. So if you've never been water baptized, man, what a great step of your own faith embodying and declaring an allegiance to Jesus. So I encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. Matthew 21, are we ready for the word? We're continuing this collection of messages entitled The King Jesus Gospel, and we are episode number 40, for those of you keeping track at home, and uh, we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew all the way through Easter this year, and uh, we'll get to conclude our study there with the Easter celebration. Matthew 21, we're going to start in verse 12 today. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame then came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priest and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and then they heard the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Everyone can hear a child when they scream. So that's not what he said. I was just <laughs> thinking this out for a minute. Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. And in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and then they had to ask, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. He's speaking in hyperbole here, but you'll get the point as we go. Verse 22, you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. This is the word of the Lord. Can we pray together? 
Jesus, thank you for your word, your teachings, your life, what you show us as it relates to your kingdom. Help us to not be figless trees. Amen. Never know how a prayer is going to go at Faith Church. We spent most of 2022 studying and exploring and kind of pulling to the forefront of our minds this theme of faith 2.0, a renewal of discipleship. Every year I take some time as the year begins to wind down, we get past that six, seven, eight month mark. And I just spend some time with Jesus and the Lord and scripture and spend some time praying, talking with our elders and trying to hear and discern from the Lord, Lord, what is our focus? What is our theme? What is the word? What is the, the, the point? What, what is it you really want to do from a big picture perspective, a theme, if you will, within our family this year. Last year, it was this idea of faith 2.0, this renewal of discipleship. And we, we said that disciples are the ones that know God through his word, not just intellectually, but intimately. There's an interaction. There's something personal that you know of God and the entrance of that begins with reading the word of God, that you know God through his word. We challenged you last year to get in God's word, to read the gospels through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you get done reading the gospels, we challenge you, read them again. And we stayed in that, just encouraging us to let's look at what Jesus taught and did as we tried to understand what it means to be his disciples and apprentices to him. Disciples know God through his word. Disciples practice the way of Jesus. We put it into practice and we live it. We do it. We, we practice it. We may not do it perfectly. We may not do it well. We may not even do it consistently, but by golly, we're going to practice it. And then third, we said that discipleship is leading others to do the exact same thing, to know God through his word, to practice the ways of Jesus, and to lead others themselves to do the same, to know God through his word, to practice the way of Jesus, and to lead others to do the same. This is discipleship. Jesus didn't call to get you into heaven. He calls us to be followers of him. There's this invitation to the kingdom that is rooted in discipleship. That was our theme. This year, as we look forward into 2023, the word that's on my heart, the theme that I think God is going to be showing us this year is this word radiant. Can you say radiant? That we become a radiant people of God. That we radiate the love of God, the mercy of God, the, the presence of God, the power of God. That we, that we radiate the joy of the Lord in our lives. That we radiate this, this life that beams the very life of God. That as Jesus said in John, that from our very bellies would flow a river of living water that would radiate the life of God everywhere we go. That we would become a, a radiant people of God. And we're going to be looking at that theme throughout the scriptures and the teachings. It's going to show up again and again. You're going to hear us talk about it and explore it throughout the year in a lot of different ways. But as we keep talking about the King Jesus gospel, I want you to know that the King Jesus gospel is an invitation. And it includes an invitation to become the radiant people of God. It's not just an invitation to the kingdom of God through discipleship. But we want to look and we're going to see that the invitation of the King Jesus gospel is to become a disciple. And in our discipleship, it leads us to becoming the radiant people of God. Sent out on mission for God, that this is the call of God. And in today's text, in Matthew 21, verse 12 through 22, that we just read, these two different kind of accounts that are linked together, you'll see this big idea that the radiant people of God are people of prayer. The whole point to Jesus clearing out the temple and the whole point to the fig tree interaction that Jesus had was to illustrate and teach us about prayer. That's what Jesus was after. This was trying to get us to correlate and write. And these two events, the author of this book, Matthew, was writing these two events and linked them together to help us see the importance of prayer. Now, before we go any further, let me define for you what I mean when I say prayer. Prayer is communion with Father through the Spirit present within us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus the Son. This is what prayer, not communion like crackers and juice communion. 
But communion like we are communing, we are connecting, we are abiding. Prayer is this communion, this time of communing with God through the spirit that is present in every believer because of the death and resurrection of the Son. It's a communion with the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's this abiding relationship. It's a, it's a circle of unbroken communion with the Lord. This idea of abiding and communing in prayer, I think, is illustrated well in the Old Testament when the children of Israel came to Jericho. When the children of Israel came to Jericho, there was a whole wall and they couldn't get into this promised land. And, and Jesus gave them, or God gave them some instructions. He says, hey, I want you for six days to walk around the city one time, but in absolute silence. You're not talking. You're not declaring. You're not pulling out a horn to, to, to sound the battle. You're not pulling out your sword to fight. You're just walking in a circle. Walk around the city six times. Once a day for six days. That was the instruction. Then on the seventh day, he said, I want you to walk around seven times. The first six times you're circling the city, don't say a word, stay silent. But after the seventh time, I want you then to let out a shout of praise, of celebration, and something like absolutely mind-boggling. It boggles science and physics, and it's out of the ordinary because that's how God works sometimes. They shouted and screamed, and the very walls began to crumble down, and that which stood in their way was no longer in their way. This, I believe, is actually a picture of communion prayer, of abiding prayer where they, for most of the time, spend just present, circling, being, abiding, resting, not producing, not petitioning, not arguing, not demanding, not declaring, not quoting scripture, not doing battle in the spiritual realm, not interceding, just abiding, circling, walking. This idea of circling and, and this mountain-moving prayer that Jesus talks to us about is this invitation of communing with God. It, it deals with the issues of our hearts just being rooted in who Jesus is, being present with Jesus, communing, having conversation and connecting with God, building a relationship in our lives. It's this idea that if we can stop and we can commune with God in prayer, then there's something that will flourish, something that God does that only God can do in our lives. And most of us, though, have not really learned or understood this idea of communing prayer, abiding prayer. Most of us treat prayer like a commerce exchange. Where we go to the cosmic concession stand of heaven and we place our order for what we would like. It is delivered to us or not delivered to us. And that's how we approach prayer. The Bible for sure talks about making your petitions and your requests known to God, 100%. Does God have a problem with you asking for things and talking to him about things and, and, and petitioning that he would do things and, and asking God for things and you talking about things in your life and letting him know your needs? Is that a problem to God? No, because you're in a relationship with him. It's not a problem at all. But I would suggest and I would hypothesize and propose today that that's not actually the way Jesus taught us to pray, though. That's not actually what Jesus is talking about in prayer. See, we have today in this understanding, in this text, Jesus rebukes the very priority we would place on consumerism. They were coming to the temple making money exchanges, buying and selling doves, doing a commercial act and incorporating it, and it actually became the center of why they showed up to begin with. Jesus was rebuking them for prioritizing this consumer approach to God and, and displacing the priority and the purpose of prayer all together. But can I just unpack this for a minute? 
Jesus walks in. He just got done being shouted and heralded and sung, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He just came riding into Jerusalem that we read on Christmas Day. This, this beautiful sign of exuberant praise occurred, declaring him as king and the coming king. And here he is walking into the temple and he looks around the temple and they're buying and selling things. They're networking together. They're, they're, they're leveraging the relationships of the people in the temple so they could build their downline. And, and here the, over the people that are, that are working together and they're, they're, they're taking all of these things, this money, all this stuff, but nobody is actually communing with God. There's exchanging going on, but they weren't actually beholding the king, beholding the God and adoring him. The problem wasn't money being exchanged. See, those guys were actually supposed to be there. They were supposed to be there to exchange the currency because the temple could only receive one type of currency. They were actually supposed to be there because people who couldn't afford or bring a dove or bring a sacrifice to worship, they needed to be able to gain a sacrifice so that they could participate in the worship. And for many of these people, they had traveled and pilgrimaged miles and days and days they traveled. Can you imagine trying to bring your spotless lamb on a three-day walking journey and it's still showing up spotless and clean? No. So the people were there at the temple to provide a practical service and solution that absolutely was intended to help invite people in to participate in the worship, not keep them out, nor be the main point of their worship. They were there with permission of the priestly authorities to perform a very useful and necessary function for those pilgrims coming a great distance. The whole thing, though, had kind of gotten out of proportion. And worship and prayer were being squeezed to the side as an addition to the commercialism that was taking place. And Jesus' violent onslaught on, the, on, on all those concerned, those buyers and sellers, expressed that his conviction was that something needed to be shifted, that they were coming to the house of God with the wrong purpose. They were coming to the house of God with the wrong purpose. The problem wasn't that there was things of commercialism. The problem wasn't that they had merch in their lobby for you to buy. The problem wasn't that people came with money and brought it to the Lord. That's, that's not the point. It's not the problem. The problem was they made consumerism the main event and they forgot God was the priority. Now, we, we kind of like this version of Jesus. The kicking tables, WWE style, throwing things, hitting things, letting birds fly everywhere, creating mayhem, the righteous indignation of Jesus as king. Watch him come. Get him, Lord, get him. Drive out the evildoers, Lord. Like we, we like this savage, manly version of Jesus, don't we? Something about it that kind of intrigues us. I think... If we're not careful, though, we'll start using it to justify our own desire to point fingers at the problem with the church of God today. Oh, oh, oh don't, don't get me wrong. There are things as it relates to the Western church and the capital C church that I've, I've got a list of things I'd like to see shift and change and renewed in our lives. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's exploitation and people who are in it for the wrong reason. And there are, there are churches that are hurting people because they're not pastoring them well. And Oh, absolutely. Yes, people are being disenfranchised left and right by this church of God. And, and only if only, yeah, we, and we should just jump in and start pointing our prophetic proverbial finger, telling her to stop being so commercial, so consumer-oriented, so much celebrityism in the church. All these celebrity pastors and big-name people and this and that, and it's corrupt and it's evil, and we ought to blah, 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 I have concerns, sure. But can I tell you, my concern isn't that we're properly pointing fingers. My concern is that we're missing the point. It wasn't to point fingers. It was actually returned back to the point of prayer. My concern is that we will miss the point ourselves, that the point was to call us back to prayer and communion with God Almighty. 
The issue is we, like them, have a tendency to drift towards commerce exchanges filled with duty and Christian uh, uh, activity, expediting encounters, and we miss the important moment of communing with God. Because we've got to show up, we've got to get our thing, he better watch that clock and not talk too long because I've got brunch and football and errands to run, and we better hurry this thing along because I'm here to do my diligence and check it off in exchange for my week not sucking this year. Because we show up and we exchange. I'm going to do my worship. I'm going to show up to church. And hopefully God's exchange is my week won't be as bad as it was last week. We've missed the point of gathering in the house of God altogether. Things aren't going so good in my life. I probably ought to get back into church. It's, it's a noble. It's a good thought. You should get back into church. Absolutely. But don't be looking for it to be the exact equation to produce the results that you're demanding of God. That's not the point. We are not called to exchange something, but rather to engage and encounter someone. And Jesus was rebuking them for showing up to the house of God the wrong priority. They were showing up for what God could do for them rather than showing up to worship the God who loves them. They missed the point. And Jesus then lovingly and kindly and in pretty exact ways reminds them that the priority is actually prayer. It's actually communing with God. It's actually the point of the gathering is to connect with God Almighty, to connect with the people of God, to connect in a way that does something in our hearts in a new way. One, one of the things that we are focused on here at Faith Church uh, is the gathering. We have uh, five mindsets because here at Faith Church, we believe that mindset, very good. It's like an open sweatshirt test and you all passed. I'm so, so proud of you. Mindset matters. It really does. And we have five mindsets that really help filter and shape and keep us prioritizing the right things. And one of the, our mindsets is that we are focused, prioritizing prayer, discipleship, and partnership in outreach. This is what we want to give our time, our attention, our efforts, our finances. This is what we're about. We're focused on, we're not trying to create a lot of programs, a lot of extra things, a lot of things. No, no, we're trying to focus on the right thing. We're trying to focus on the things that God says, this is what moves the heart of God. This is what the people of God are supposed to call to and we're supposed to look at and do. We are prioritizing these things. We are focused on these things. Why? Because Jesus is reminding us in this text that the priority is prayer. Priority is connecting with God. The priority is having a relationship that is fostered with someone. So every time we gather, we come and behold him. We have a statement, kind of a purpose statement for the weekend gatherings, for the Sunday gatherings. Here's, here's, our, here's our whole point of gathering every Sunday. We want to come and host the presence of God and help people take their next step in their allegiance to him. That's why we show up every week, to gather and host the very presence of God, to create a space of welcome where he can be in the midst and move among us and speak to us and do, some, do whatever he needs to do to, to come and behold and, and worship the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the king who reigns above all. We come and we behold him. And together, we want to encourage you and make it practical and possible for you to take a next step in your allegiance to Jesus every week. The team leads us, all of those who serve and host and, and what we do upstairs and in the kids' rooms and all around, we're all pointing to the same thing, that in every space, we're hosting the presence of God and helping people take their next step in their allegiance to Jesus. This is at the center of what we do because we are prioritizing Jesus and connecting with him because he prioritizes the connection and he told us to connect in that way 
I love that here in this moment, Jesus flips over the tables and uh, restores order. I have a feeling that like by the third table and by the time he said, my house is called the house of prayer, heads bowed and eyes closed and everybody just started like praying, right? Like I just got this image that people were like, yes, let me go back this way and spend some time prayer, Lord. Let me, hold on, you can keep my doves. Let it go. I don't care about the doves right now. I'm just going to pray. There was a, something that shifted. But you know, it's it interesting. After Jesus restores, like, the priority of this prayer, guess what began to happen? The lame and the sick, those who were maybe being kept outside of encountering God, were now in, in the presence of the king, and he healed them, Scripture says. He healed those that were wounded. He healed those who needed to be helped. He ministered to those that were broken. His transformative presence was there because when the king walks in the room, things change. Change shifts. And there was something restorative that was taking place in the manifest presence of the king. Friends, when we come together and we prioritize this time of connecting with God and communing with him and encountering this someone, things shift and change in your heart. Things begin to shift and change in my heart. Things are beginning to be restored. I can't tell you the number of times and conversations I had with people when they say, I walked into the room, I wasn't sure what to expect, but man, before you even got up, I had no more Kleenexes I could use because something was happening in me. And then he preached and we heard the word and I cried the whole entire time and I don't know what is happening. I just know I can't wait to come back again. Because when you get into the presence of God and you are prioritizing and pointing in the right direction and you're beholding the right things and you're something begins to be transformed in you and that's the point. And Jesus said his house should be a house that is like that. And then as a result, this, the very next verse says, they were healed, and then the children began shouting and singing praise to God. I think prayer, this communing prayer, when we prioritize it correctly, when we put it back in its proper place and we understand it correctly, there is an element of delight and enjoyment that comes when you're in that moment of communing with God in his presence, when you're connecting with him, real connecting with him. And I think children can teach us a lot about that simple delight and wonder. I remember when my daughter was young and we had her strapped into the car and we'd be driving somewhere and we'd have some worship music playing and we'd be singing and we'd turn around or look in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden her, her little voice would start singing the songs and her eyes would close and she would lift one hand because that's what we used to do in kids' church. She would just lift her hand and she would sing and it was this precious moment to remind us she wasn't worried about who was watching. We're not worried about what was going on. We weren't worrying if like we were lifting our hands correctly. Go, no, you get around some kids and they don't care really what you're thinking. They just know this is the proper way to delight and behold the king, to worship him, to celebrate him, to delight in him. They're not worried about other people. Am I, do I need to carry the TV? Do I need to go a little bit wide? Do I need to pound my heart? Am I field goal? Is this the right way to do this? Did I put on deodorant? Do I only need to do a little, little rock the baby? emotion like how should I worship anyways kids don't care they just know that there's someone in the room there's someone who is worthy of their adoration and their affection and they are just delighting in joy and being with them children have a lot to teach us about this don't they this uh, recently, one of our staff members, Jared and Jessica Thorpe, they posted a video, and with their permission, I, I want to show you this video of their son, Brooks. T take a look at what this looks like. Come on, isn't that great? Oh, I love it. Kids, 
They have a way of teaching us some things about worship. Don't worry. We've already sent an application to Brooks to be on our worship team in the future. We're already lining them up to, to get up here and help you understand what worship looks like. The point of prayer is this communing and connecting with God. This is, we have to prioritize. When we show up to the house of God, when we recognize not only that we show up to the house of God, but don't miss this, that we are the temple of God, oh, then we recognize there's something about delighting and beholding and being with the presence of God that is the absolute highest priority of our life. There is no greater priority that we should have than to behold and be present with the Lord moment by moment throughout our day. In the 17th century, there's a man by the name of Brother Lawrence who followed Jesus. And some of his writings I've been reading recently, and one of them particularly was called The Practice of the Presence of God. And he says this in that book. He says, we know also that we can do all things with the grace of God. And we can. Which God never refuses to them who asks for it earnestly. Sometimes I think we don't go to God and commune in prayer because we're afraid we're going to get rejected. Won't happen. Because when we go to him and ask him for his grace, ask him for his presence, ask him for who he is and his strength, oh, he loves to respond in that way. He goes on to say this. He says, we act with God in the greatest simplicity speaking to him frankly and plainly and imploring his assistance in our affairs just as they happen. I, I think that prayer is less about trying to get God to do what I want him to do. I, uh, prayer isn't about me getting God to do my bidding. Prayer isn't me giving God a list of things that he needs to fix. Prayer is not my will becoming God's will. And God doing my will on the earth and in heaven the way I want it done. That's not prayer. That's not the point of prayer. That's not the century. And for, for Brother Lawrence, the idea of prayer was that we take with the greatest simplicity, nothing impressive, nothing long. We can speak frankly and plainly with God, communicating and connecting with him, imploring his assistance in our affairs as they happen. So that when you're getting ready to teach fourth grade science, you can pause and turn your attention and your affection in inwardly just for a second on who God is and the greatness of God. And God will come and be present with you as you teach science to fourth graders. That before you go into that business meeting, to take a moment and pause and recognize that God is with you everywhere you go. And you can just acknowledge, God, you're here with me as I enter this business meeting and it changes how you approach that business meeting because in our affairs throughout our day as they happen we can implore his presence to be with us in those moments jesus said i'll never leave you nor will i forsake you i'm giving you the holy spirit who will be with you at all times prayer is this communion with god through the spirit present within us because of what the son has done for us this is prayer friends this is what jesus is asking us prioritize this is what he's reminding us of finally let me say this that jesus is reminding us today that the point of prayer is to become fruitful in our faith. To become fruitful in our allegiance to him. To become fruitful in our fidelity to him as king. To be fruitful in our willingness to follow him as king and his rule and reign in our lives throughout the day, as the day would come. To allow God's presence to be preeminent among us and with us as we go about the day. Jesus reminds us that the point of prayer is to be, become fruitful in our faith, not to get the results we want to consume. But that in our fostering of a relationship with him, there would be a fruitful flourishing of our life. In fact, this is really the whole point of the fig tree interaction that we see in Matthew 21. Here was a tree. It was a fig tree. Fig trees are supposed to have what on them? Come on, say it. Fig trees are supposed to have figs. Yeah, there were no figs, but there were leaves. 
It looked like it was a healthy tree, but it didn't produce any fruit. The figs were missing. It was a figless tree. It was a figless tree. Why? The problem, when, when fruit doesn't show up correctly on a tree, the problem isn't with the, the fruit itself. The problem is with the root. So when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he actually was speaking to the root of the thing, saying, hey, that which is really happening at the root system, it's going to show up, and the fig tree withered and died. Saying, when you take away the priority of what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to flourish, what it's supposed to look like, you disconnect it, and at the root system, something starts to get rotten, and it creates a lack of flourishing, a lack of life in, in this thing. And Jesus said, the disciples were awed and wondering, like, okay, wait a second, Jesus, like this whole fig tree thing, like that was a pretty cool party trick. Um, number one, can you do it again? I'd like to see it. Uh, I'd like to like photo it and video it because I'd really like to see that again. And, and, uh, how did you do that? And Jesus is like, oh, you don't understand. When you pray to my father, you can ask anything and it'll happen. Ask anything and it'll happen. You could say to a mountain, be thou removed, and it'll jump into the lake. If you have faith. What was Jesus trying to say? Well, I think we need to stop and ask ourselves, what are the anythings? If he says we can ask anything, we better make sure we know what the anythings are. Because for many of us, we, I'll say for, for me growing up, the anything was anything I wanted. Anything I want God to do, I can ask him to do. And I've got a scripture that says he's going to do what I want him to do. Because I asked him. But that's not what perhaps what Jesus was saying. See, I think if we don't understand what the anythings are, we will get upset with God that he didn't give us everything that we wanted. And we get upset that we didn't get everything that we asked for. He said he would give us everything that we asked for. But the reason we didn't get everything we asked for is because we never really understood what the anything was that we were supposed to be asking for. Clear as mud. I'd say it again, but I might mess it up, and I don't really want to say it any slower. <laughs> if we don't understand what the anything is, when we don't get the everything that we want, We'll start to blame God. But the problem wasn't God. The problem was we missed the point of understanding what the anything is. So what is the anything? Well, Jesus uses this phrase, ask anything, a few different times throughout the New Testament. Matthew 7, Luke 11, John 15, and then later in 1 John chapter, I think it's 4 or 5. We're instructed to ask anything, but what are the anythings? Let's look at the anythings in their context, because if we take the anythings out of the context, we start asking for anything out of context, and we miss it. We have to ask for the anythings that are within the context. What is Jesus talking about when he says ask anything? Well, in Matthew 7 and Luke 11, he's specifically talking about asking the Father for the Spirit of God to come and live on the inside of you. You can ask anything of a father in heaven who wants to give you his spirit and he, he will give you that. So when you are at a moment of weakness and you need the strength of the spirit to help you stay faithful to Jesus, you can ask anything and the Holy Spirit will be present to help you follow Jesus more faithfully. Anything. It's talking specifically about the Holy Spirit. In John 15, he's talking about abiding in a right relationship. Let's look at John 15, verse 5 through 8 real quick. Listen to these words. These are Jesus' words again. He says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much, what is it? Fruit. Okay, yeah, he's talking about producing fruit. Why? Because the point of prayer is that we become fruitful in our faith, in our relationship with God, in the connection that we have with God. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain, somebody say remain. So anyone who does not remain in me when they're doing the dishes, remain in me while they're teaching auto shop, remain in me while they're working on data sheets, remain in me while they're moving cattle from one pasture to another pasture, remain in me while they're on a sales call, remain in me while they're hanging gutters and working on roofs, remain in me when they're making deliveries, 
Remain in me while they're driving their trucks. Remain in me while they're exercising. Remain in me while they're cleaning up the toys of the four-year-old that they've told 20 times to pick up those toys. The goal is to remain in him. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch, and it withers. What happens to the figless fig tree? It withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and then burned, but if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and that brings glory to my Father. What's the anything he's talking about? Anything that is poisoning the root of your life, keeping you from producing the fruit that God needs to produce in your life. That's the anything. Anything. You can ask anything. God, I'm bitter, and I'm having a trouble getting out of this bitterness. Is it going to poison your root system of your life and keep you from producing fruit? Yes. You can ask anything about that, and God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to show, I'm going to do that for you. Why? Because God wants you to give him glory and you producing the fruitfulness of a faith and allegiance to him is the life that he wants to produce in you and through you. So he's going to let you ask anything as it relates to your flourishing in the faith of Jesus. And he says, I'm going to show up and I'm going to help you with that. Take it to the bank. God, I really want to love my spouse right now, but they aren't being very loving. Will you help me love them in this moment? And he will. Why? Because that's producing the right kind of fruit in your life. That's, that's moving you in faithful allegiance to Jesus in that area of your life. Are, are we tracking? Is this starting to make sense? The point of prayer is not get to get God to do whatever I want him to do for me so that my life is easier, more convenient, and full of materialism. The point of prayer is to connect with the living God who is the source of your life, who wants to heal and clean and purify the root system of your life so that there are figs on your fig tree. Because a figless fig tree will wither. Why? Because the roots are rotten. If there are things, habits, attitudes, patterns, ways of thinking, priorities that are polluting your life and keeping you from growing in your faith, those are the anything you can abide in God. Say, God, would you help me get through this? Would you remove this from my life? Would you change this area of my life? Would you transform this in my life? Because God, I don't want to live a figless life. God's like, that's an anything prayer right there. Yeah, let's start working on the patience. Let's do that. Hey, let's start working on the generosity instead of the greedy, stingy, selfishness. Hey, yeah, let's start working on the bitterness and the unforgiveness. Hey, let's start working on the lust and the eyes and the things that are drawing you away. Hey, let's start working on this. Let's start working on this. Let's start working here. Let's help you become more fruitful in your life of faith. Let's prioritize the right things. Let's move that in the direction that he wants you to go. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says it like this. Through his divine power, he has granted us all things. This is an ask anything moment. He's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us into his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature. What is he saying? God wants to give you everything that you need. Anything that you ask that will help you become a participant in the vine of the life of God. He wants to give you anything that you need that pertains to the life and godliness that he's called you into. That he wants to give you anything that you ask for that's going to help you walk out the divine nature in the power of the spirit. When you're in the cow pasture, when you're in the classroom, when you're in the boardroom, when you're in the emergency room, when you're in the closet with your kids trying to clean stuff up. He wants the divine nature and the life of God to be evident, present, and available in that moment because you can abide and remain in the presence of God in that moment. That's prayer.
That's the point of prayer, connecting with God in a way that throughout the day, throughout the moment, you are aware that he is with you, sustaining you, filling you, fixing you, and refreshing the root system of your life because he doesn't want you to pretend like you've got figs all showy with your green leaves and whatnot on a Sunday. Oh, look at my green leaves, but you ain't got no figs. He wants the figs to show up in your life. And the root system is where the figs come from. So what are you being rooted in all week long, all day long? What are you filling your mind and your heart with? What, are, what is your attention going to? What's the root system of your life looking like? Friends, we don't get to fix the outward life while having a rotten inward life. And Jesus wants to come and abide with you to help that rotten root system get cleaned and transformed because you're in the presence of the King. And when the king walks in your room, you begin to change. And that's the point of prayer. That's the point of what we're after. Eugene Peterson says it like this, without wonder, our approach to spiritual formation, this fruitfulness of our faith, if you will, becomes just a self-help project. We employ techniques, we analyze gifts and potentialities. We set goals. We assess progress. Spiritual formation then is reduced to cosmetics. Without wonder, the motivational energies in spiritual formation get dominated by anxiety and guilt. Anxiety and guilt begin to restrict. They close us in on ourselves, essentially deteriorating our connection with God. They isolate us from feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness. They reduce us to ourselves at our worst. Spiritual formation is distorted into moral workaholism and pious athleticism. What is Eugene Peterson trying to say? He's trying to tell you to be more like Brooks Thorpe. To take the moments when you're just playing with a pony in a room and know that in that moment you can remain in the presence of God if you will choose to acknowledge the presence of God. And that being in the presence of God is actually what will change your life. Prayer is this connection with God, an abiding present moment with God. Last year I was having some conversations with some friends. I'd recently studied this passage, it was probably about three months ago. And we were on a call and I just said it like this. He said, guys, I've just come to the understanding when it comes to this communion with God and the, the, the whole point of prayer. I, I just suck at prayer. I'm just not good at it. Oh, I'm really good at telling God what I want him to do for me. I'm perfectly okay to pray for other people. I'm great at singing songs. I do that all day. I'm great at reading God's word and reading it. But I'm terrible at being disciplined in stopping and being in the quietness and just being with God. Well, I'm really good at producing for God. I'm really good at trying to, to, to be proactive in some things for God. But to just be and receive the love of God and to turn my every day into moments of connection and awareness and welcome with the Spirit of God? I'm, I got a tension span of a gnat. Just, it's everywhere. But th this year, my, my one spiritual practice that I'm saying, God, I want to I want to see you transform. My ask anything this year is God, would you help me be more aware of your presence all day long? Would you help me pray correctly and approach prayer not as 
a cosmic vending, vending machine where I get God to do what I want. And I give him my orders and I declare and decree and scripturally remind him of things, but rather where I come and just behold him and I be with him and I let him change and renew and remove and clean out the root system of my life. I set out to do, to do one thing and I'm gonna challenge you this week to join me in it. Here's the challenge. Pause in prayer three times a day for the next seven days. Three times a day. Pause and turn your attention to God's presence with a simple prayer. That's communing with him in that moment. You're just gonna commune with God. 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes for you overachievers out there. Whatever. For, for me, this is how it works. On my Apple Watch, I have an alert that goes off three times a day, morning, midday, and evening time, reminding me to breathe. It's a great reminder. Hopefully an unnecessary one, but a good reminder nonetheless. And I'm just taking a moment to allow those alerts to come through and those moments when it comes, I'm gonna stop and breathe for one minute and I'm simply saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me of my debts. Lord, as I forgive those who are indebted to me. Don't lead me not into temptation today, but deliver me from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Three times a day. For the next seven days, are you in? Will you join me in three a days of prayer? You may, you, you may only just quick 10 seconds. Come Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you for life today, God. It can be as simple as that. It's, it's about simplicity and recognizing that he's present and you being fully present with him. That's connecting with God. That's communing with God. And when we do that, we recognize that the radiant people are those who host and pursue and seek to abide in the presence of our Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's who we want to become, amen? Okay, let's stand if you would. Would you bow as we take a moment and connect with the Lord? Father, we're not here to coerce a blessing from you. Jesus, you don't owe us anything. Lord, forgive us for the moments where we've turned prayer into some sort of demand on you. Forgive us for we've prioritized prayer to get what we want rather than to just be with you and you with us. This week, God, as we look to practice this, to pause multiple times a day, though we know you're faithful to ask and answer anything in this realm. And so, God, would you be present with us in those moments? In the quick five seconds, 20 seconds, 35 second prayers, a minute prayers, would you be present with us? Renewing us and helping us learn how to abide and remain in you so that we can live out a fruitful, faithful, allegiance to you, Jesus. We ask this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we pray, and the people of God said, amen.